It is time for the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Rochelle and Carter, hello. And um, it, it's going to be an interesting uh, topic today, a very mm-hmm. heavy topic today. We're going to get to a, uh, an email. Um, but I, I think what you had in your devotional time, Rochelle, leads into it very well. You know, it's one of those where I opened it and it was right there. Okay, yeah. And it doesn't always happen that way, by the way, especially if you're brand new to devotions. I've I've heard people do this and sometimes, hey, listen, I'm not going to knock it. But you take your Bible, you flip it and then close your eyes and put your finger down and wherever Uh it lands and read that verse. Sometimes you can come up with the most profound moments. And sometimes you read. You play in ad libs. Yeah, like, yeah. and then Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. Don't well, read that, into that's that. the, exactly the the <laughs> example that my youth pastor gave to not do that. He goes, follow just follow the chapter after chapter because don't do the willy nilly thing because it might say, you know, Jonah was swallowed by a whole whale, and then you flip it and go ye therefore and do likewise. Oh, okay. You know what? You know what? Let's not just so that he always encouraged not to do it, but God can use any moment. Certainly. So he's been able to, I mean, you open a little fortune cookie after Chinese food. You're like, that really blessed me. And then sometimes you're like that. I have no idea what they're talking about. Feed into that at all. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to read you first. It's from Psalms. And then this devotion, God, hear my cry, pay attention to my prayer. I call to you from the ends of the earth when my heart is without strength. Lead me to a rock that is high above me, for you have been a refuge for me, a strong tower in the face of the enemy. I will dwell in your tent forever and take refuge under the shelter of your wings. That's Psalm 61, verses 1 through 4. A woman writes, I have struggled with mental illness for most of my adult life. First, the postpartum depression ripped the joy from the births of my children and left me reeling with feelings of hopelessness, fear, and isolation, even as I rocked them in my arms. Later, the depression would come and blot out the good in the world until all I felt was the cold insides of a dark and unrelenting shadow life. I often felt like I was grasping onto the ends of the earth as my strength failed trying not to let the world topple me while I cried out to God for my rescue. The Psalms were a balm to my battered and weary soul. Because the Psalms aren't afraid to admit how empty and scared and tired we become. The Psalms aren't afraid of our humanity, and neither is Jesus. My faith in Christ helps me get the help I need because I know I'm not alone in my pain. Scripture reminds us we are never alone, not in our frustrations, not in our loneliness, not in our fear or anxiety or sadness. We are never too far from the shelter of the Almighty. And sometimes when it feels like the world has dimmed and grown dark and weary, we remember that our refuge and shelter is under the shadow of his wings. When I cannot see the light, I'm reminded that God is with me in the shadows and his mercy never comes to an end. Even when I fail to feel it, he holds me. He holds me to him like a mother rocking her babies through the night. God hears our cries and is attentive to our prayers. When we are overwhelmed and it feels like our hearts might falter, remember, God hears our cries, shelters our hearts, and is not afraid of our feelings. Take refuge, friend, for you will find rest for your soul.
Yeah, that's so powerful. I mean, so many things come up, and um, one of which I just want to play just a little bit of this. Jordan Feliz has a song, Christian artist Jordan Feliz, a Never Too Far Gone. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you've done, who you are. Um, yeah, you're never matter. too far gone. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I want to mention the excerpt that I just read was by Leah Joy is her name okay. from the book A Moment to Breathe. I want to give her credit for writing so beautifully, so vulnerably. One thing that I told you about uh, pain recently, Rochelle, is I was very, um, very uh, at peace that. Jesus also didn't want to encounter the pain because I think a lot of times with uh, in regards to maybe it's mental illness as as she kind of refers to or it's something big that's going to happen losing a loved one that you're just you know uh, hey uh, something that comes to mind occasionally I losing my parents I just I can't even imagine what that's going to be like and I look at Jesus in the garden of he was in agony it said and he was you know God, can you, Father, take this cup from me? Mm-hmm. But of course, your will, let your will be done. Yeah, he wasn't sadistic. Oh, I can't wait. No, yeah, exactly. But and I think th- in church we think, well, well, it's, you know, there's pain, but it's fine. It's fine because you know, God's in charge. No, it's okay to not want the pain. And, right. the, and agony is clearly what Jesus was in. I think the reason why he allowed it in part was just so that he could at one point be able to tell us, I, I understand. Mm. Um, so that he can sympathize, and and sometimes that's why he allows us to go through trials too, so that we can say that to the next person who's going through grief. I understand. Let's enter a uh, a, a sensitive portion of this anything but quiet time podcast. Uh, got an email from Tony, who's uh, who's awesome. She's a listener of the podcast, and um, she just I'm, I'm just going to read some of her email. It's about a very sensitive subject. Um, I'll, I'll just say it: suicide. Is, is what this is this is about. So just FYI, if you do have little ones around or if, you know, anybody you know that's a little sensitive to that, uh, that's what just this next couple of minutes is going to be about. Uh, Tony says, being a Christian and raised in the church, I was taught suicide is the only unforgivable sin. I know it's a taboo subject in many circles and a truly difficult subject. My son has been affected uh, deeply by the loss of several young loved ones uh, at 20 He lost his 17-year-old half-brother. This destroyed him, and he stepped away from God. My son always loved four-leaf clovers, and he had one very special that he placed in his brother's casket, his half-brother's casket. I heard him tell his other brothers that he was going to need it where he was going. I It broke my heart. He lost his young cousin um, also, and uh, and, and a couple more examples that she names. Uh, This has only fueled his distance from God. I raised him. As I was raised with same beliefs, I'd love to get guidance on suicide in the Bible. There are so many interpretations, and while I'd love to take the the easy way and, and say that God forgives, I'm 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 just at a loss. And so, Tony, thank you for being vulnerable. I just let's just nip something in the bud here right up front. The only unforgivable sin is not that. Um, that's that's just just straight from the Bible. It, the only unforgivable sin is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, as it's put, or never having a relationship with Jesus. 
mm. exiting this life and never having a relationship with Jesus. That is what, I mean, I believe Jesus specifically says that there's, a, I, I, I don't have the reference in front of me, but there is the only unforgivable sin is not having a relationship with Jesus. I, I just want to say, answer that right up front there. What does blaspheming the Holy Spirit mean? Meaning, yeah, that's, that's, well, essentially, that's a big question. <laughs> so basically, going this whole life with uh-huh. so many chances to admit that the only way to heaven is Jesus and to truly believe that. And of course, our actions show our belief, but our actions don't save us. And so believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, that he died on that cross for our sins and three days later was rose again and saying, all right, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket and I'm believing that it ain't Buddha. It ain't somebody else. It's not my goodness of a person, my my actions of because I'm so prim and proper or think that I can make up for any bad things that I do. No, the only way to the father is through Jesus and believing that he is who he said he was. And so we have however much time we have on this life. And that is what we are called to do. I mean, that's that's what he wants us to do, to admit that he's in charge. He's got this. He loves us. And that's the way to heaven. So the the question being, I, I would, would imagine, is this, I, I think this mother, she posed the question because the concern is, if this person takes their life, mm-hmm. will they be forgiven? Will they per, be permitted into heaven? And it's something that I think so many people feel incredibly strong about. Mm-hmm. And I've always fallen, uh, been more inclined to, uh, the merciful side of our heavenly father, because it feels like that's where he lands with us. Mm-hmm. And literally the mercy seat is something that rests uh, on the Ark of the covenant in between the two angels that are on top of the Ark. It's called the mercy seat. That's uh, this beautiful Ark. It's like a box overlaid with gold. It's something that the uh, Hebrew children took with them Everywhere they they traveled, it was kept in the tabernacle. It was very sacred, very holy. And it was separated in the temple by a large veil. And we had talked about this on the air the other day about how the veil was 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide. And it was like the length of a man's hand in terms of width. So like just really thick. There's no possible way that this veil could have easily been torn. But we know that after Jesus died on the cross, it says that the veil was torn. What's really fascinating about that whole story is Caiaphas, the high priest, the guy who was all about getting Jesus crucified. Mm -hmm. The very moment at noonish when Jesus would have been on the cross is the time frame where he as the high priest would have started the process of bringing the Passover lamb to be sacrificed mm. at three o'clock when Jesus passed would have been the time frame where he would have taken the blood of the lamb into the Holy of Holies before the Ark of the Covenant, mm. that area. And it's at that very moment when this veil and its ridiculous amount of ripping, I mean, it just would have like the, the sound would have been unbelievable. Probably, and, from, and from the top down too. from the top yeah. down and the symbolism of this, that this place where once only one person, one time a year would have been permitted, has now been opened for all Mm -hmm. because the presence of God is now available to all through what Jesus did for us and the blood of this Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, right? 
So having said all of that, the mercy seat changes. The mercy seat is now that place in between the angels that we see in the tomb where Jesus' body once laid. There's the scripture that references one at the head of where he would have laid, one at the foot. Again, two angels there, but there is that mercy seat. And I I know that mercy is something that is withheld, the punishment that is withheld from someone. And I... We've referenced this even in our Easter series and talking about how the uh, the wrath of God was satisfied through Jesus' death on the cross. So I say all of that to say that I lean towards that part of God, his love part, his mercy part, the grace that abounds through Jesus Christ. There is, though, in John chapter 3, that part, if you do not receive this incredible gift, mm-hmm. if you choose not to, if that's the path you choose, which our prayer obviously is that that's not the choice you make, um, then there are consequences to those actions. I've also heard it said that, uh, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God, not, not death, not anything. So if you've committed your life to love with Jesus, um, that even my own actions can't separate me from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the Bible is clear about taking life, and thou shalt not kill was one of the commandments that was given. Um, Jesus, uh, you know, tells us that the most important command is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it to love others as we love ourselves. Um, So if those commands ultimately outweigh all the others, because if you're doing those commands, then you, all the others are encompassed in that. You know, there's, I'm not really answering the question because here's my answer. I am not sitting on the mercy seat. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it it's between my God and that individual. And I have heard amazing, um, almost unbelievable stories about how people have denied Christ through their entire life. They have literally been on the gurney and are pronounced dead and know and hear these things from the doctors or outside of their body and are being ushered down this hallway by beings that they don't know about. And they call upon the name of Jesus in those moments. And this one dude, who was totally an atheist, said that this happened to him. He said, I am outside of my body. These people who seem nice are ushering me down this hall. The next thing I know, I realize that they are, they're not who they say they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's something wrong with them. And so he said, I, I start to walk away from them. And then they attack me in this vicious, he said, that the weird pain, the weird, just awful, excruciating pain that came upon me in that moment. He said, I remember, I remember this guy took me to church when I was a little kid and the song Jesus Loves Me popped into my brain in that moment and he starts calling on the name of Jesus. And the next thing he knows, he is now back in his body present. And this atheist who before this moment would have denounced God comes back and even his wife leaves him because he becomes so bold for Christ and is now a, a pastor. It's the craziest story. You're like, oh, okay, that sounds bananas. Mm-hmm. That was his experience anyway. Yeah, I, I come um, from a, a pretty, you know, uh, maybe strict on topics like this background where I know a lot of people who would say, well, that was just a dream. That doesn't happen because sure. you only get one chance. If you're dead, then you have one chance. That's that. But I just, there's, you get, you start living life and you realize there's more you don't know than you know. <laughs> exactly. So is there something in between that moment where your eternity is checked. The box is checked. You said yes during life. You're good. Or you checked no during life. You're bad. 
I hear those kinds of stories and I'm like, I'm very much a skeptic. I don't know because I've never mm -hmm. been in that person's shoes. But for him to change so much that he would say, honey, if you if you no longer want to be my wife, I, I can't leave what I know to be true. That sounds pretty drastic, mm. pretty dramatic. And even in those experiences, it was a podcast I was listening to. Um, people who have had these experiences, they're able to to share things that only... Uh, like like they saw shoes on top of the hospital that they were pronounced dead at. They saw shoes on the roof and people would go up to the roof and check and there were the shoes. Interesting. Like crazy yeah. things that only could have happened if they had seen them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I do believe in a gracious, loving God. How do I know that he's gracious and loving and that his wrath was completely satisfied on the cross of Christ because he sent his only son to do these things for me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was not, it was, it was not for not. Like it says, by his stripes we are healed. If you read the lashes that Jesus took on his back, exposing his spine, why would he do those things for nothing? Mm -hmm. He did it because he loves you. There are consequences to action though, and to where he holds that person individually accountable. Like I can't give you this once for all answer on certain things because God he looks to each of us as an individual case. He sees us individually, just like I do with my own children. But there's black and white somewhere, right? Absolutely. But I'll tell you this much. If I have Sammy and Caleb and they both do something, I know that both of them are going to do that thing differently. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because they're different yeah. people. And I might actually get on to one boy more so than another because I know where they're at mm -hmm. individually. Now, does that mean that there aren't consequences? No, not at all saying that. I'm just saying that I don't have all the answers. And I can only give my answer would always be to encourage life. Please, your life is precious. Yeah. There's a reason why you need to keep sustaining it. After that person is no longer with us, and maybe they made that choice to comfort a loved one, a family member, I'm not going to feed them false hope. But I'm also not going to say that I have all the answers and know exactly where their loved one is. I think definitely on the the physical aspect, the the earthly aspect of what is left behind, uh, I think to speak to that of um, it's an encouragement for me to reach out to people that uh, I know may have had, you know, depressing thoughts or, or, or dealt with that before, or just people that are alone. Um, one thing that always stands out is my dad worked at a grocery store and we uh, I went in there. I would always go to the store with him. And we were talking to this really nice lady behind the counter. She worked at the deli uh, part of the store. And then when we left, he said, you know, that lady behind the deli, behind the counter there at the deli, um, you remember talking to her? And I was like, yeah, it was five minutes ago. Of course I do. And um, <laughs> she said, he said, her husband took his own life uh, mm -hmm. last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is him just trying to, you know, teach me a lesson. Um, and my dad, I think my dad's pretty strict in, in this topic. Um, he said, this, that's why it's so painful uh, is because her two boys uh, and their dad was was going to go on the, the yearly camping trip. And these boys looked so forward to that. Yeah. And he unfortunately took his own life bef a week or two before mm. the camping trip. And him as a dad trying to tell me what really he took away was, what does that say to those boys? Yeah. That he would rather do this than go on the camping trip. Yeah. He's like, you never know how it's going to mess with somebody that's that's left behind in right. the wake of all this. And so I've always taken that to heart in, in both ways. One sure. one is to realize that and realize not a, not as much of a guilt thing, but realize the people that are around you, how truly, how much they do love you, mm. even if they don't say it.
all the time. Because mm-hmm. somebody's going to be devastated. I promise you. Even if you feel like you have nobody, somebody's going to be devastated. And that means you have people in your life that you love. And then on the other side of that, I, I hope that those boys would realize um, they are not to blame oh, for no. any reason. Yeah. And and I, I think it's got to be tougher when it's a, a, a teenager in some of these examples that yeah. Tony shared for the parents of that teenager to not feel the guilt of that. Oh, why didn't I see? Why uh-huh. didn't I know? It's, it's not, it's not, I, I, I oh. promise you that it is that first of all, guilt period sure. is not from God. And so I, I just, I hope that you can, you can pray that you can be relieved of that to know that it's at times unexplainable. Sure. There are things we don't know, but there are right. things that we absolutely do know that we have to just grab onto with mm-hmm. both hands. Mm-hmm. And be able to trust the Lord in, you know, yeah. the woman who called me one day, uh, I don't think you were here that day, Carter, this precious woman just bawling her eyes out because her son had chosen to take his life on the train tracks. Had, mm. And she didn't find out until days later. It was one of those horrific experiences. I won't go into detail because they, they, they didn't know who it was mm-hmm. after the train. And uh, she found out she, she just was sobbing. Where is my son? Where is he? Is, he? is he with God? I just, I don't know. And I just, oh my word, my heart just, I'm so emotional even thinking about it right now because I wanted to assure this woman mm-hmm. that your mm-hmm. son is with the Lord. What I assured her was, was of the love and the compassion and the grace for God, of God, of this God who, um, in those moments right before death, we have no idea. We're talking not even like seconds. We're talking moments Mm -hmm. before death, things can change. We saw it happen with the thief on the cross. Right. I don't, I don't understand this guy was a horrible person. He's being crucified. He did all of this criminal activity and he has not earned anything in life, anything that would give him a position in paradise. And yet Jesus said, you have acknowledged me in this moment, in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I am telling you today, you will be with me in paradise. So anything can change. Uh, but again, always, if, if if you're trying to have a conversation with your teenager, which I, I believe this family is just trying to talk it out, there is so much more to life. Mm-hmm. And it is to preserve because it is precious. And there are things that right now it may feel dark and dreary and never ending. But God has a plan for you, as his word promises. And if it's even to share your dark experiences to show others that I felt the way you felt right now so that they can feel not alone in their dark moments to help guide them through towards his light. If for no other reason, maybe that's why, um, you know, my parents work yeah. with people who are mentally ill and go through dark, dark clinical depression. And these are very real places for people. And it's, it's not one of those things that you just want to tell people, oh, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, if you know that someone's in a very bad place, please reach out to them if you can. Uh, love on them. At even just a message, I am praying for you today. I think you're wonderful. And love on them. It can mean so much. What you said, to grab hold onto the things that we know are true. Yeah. Uh, the other day when, uh, the other day I was reading, uh, the other day when you weren't there, um, <laughs> It, where it says uh, every tear will be wiped away and just talking about yeah. what heaven looks like. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, honestly, be- mm. because it, depending, depending on your situation, hey, if you get there and all of your family members are there and all of your friends are there and all of your pets and animals are there 
and literally everybody you know and love is there, well, then obviously any of the past pain is gone and any aches and pains or any depression or anything is gone and you're all here happy You're painting together. the perfect scenario. Yeah. Scenario. But you, not even you would think, you know that at least a friend, at least an acquaintance that you, you enjoyed um, will not be there. And yet, just you would think that would devastate you. And maybe it does for a second. I don't know what it looks like. But the fact is that the hand of God is going to wipe away every tear mm-hmm. and we're going to enjoy eternity. And it, I, I can't make sense of it in my brain. Because we're mortal. Yeah. And we only can fathom so much because we are only created to, to contain so much. Yeah. But that's why we have to trust and lean on his understanding. And so... What we understand to be true is that life is precious because God created it. Mm-hmm. We are to value it. We are to to hold it as precious, not just in ourselves, but in others. To put others first, that's why it's... The, number two was like the first commandment, to love him with everything we've got, mind, soul, body, and strength. Uh, that, that obviously implies right there a living body. Um, number two, to love others and to hold them as precious. Um, those are things that we know to do. And then after, God forbid, something like that happens to a family, I have an uncle whose dad took his own life, you know, all you can offer them in that, that moment is a place of hope to rest in his arms, to say, we believe in a God who created mercy. Mm-hmm. He establishes mercy. And so there is always hope. And we can lean on that. And we can just, I mean, from that moment on with our lives, present hope to the world so that another won't be lost, you know, to know that they that they are loved. And that is our position as followers of Jesus, to let people know that they are loved. 